Welcome to the Gen X VZ, a movie podcast. I'm Brian, representing Gen X. I'm Mackenzie, and I'm Gen Z. And uh, we're both industry folks. I've worked in the industry for 25-ish years. Uh, got my name on a bunch of credits from movies that you probably have seen. Um, so that's how you know you can believe what I'm about to say. And I got my degree in film studies from Dodge College, and uh, now I work there as a staff member, and um, yeah, really into talking about film. Yeah. Oh, and I also got my degree from USC, so there we go, <laughs> that too. Um, so today, we're going to discuss Disney's Wish, which we saw a couple of days ago. Um, you and I are both big Disney fans. Yeah. I actually got my degree in animation. And disclaimer, I worked for Disney uh, for six years. I worked on Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Treasure Planet, Home on the Range, and Chicken Little. And you interned on Dinosaur. And I interned on Dinosaur. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And we noticed uh, in the credits mm-hmm. for this movie, uh, they give you a, a little image of each character from every movie that they've done since it's the 100th anniversary of the company. And they did give us Aladar from Dinosaur, mm-hmm. but they did not give us anybody from Meet the Robinsons. Which was crazy. Which was kind of weird. They kind of missed Meet the Robinsons. Um, which is a bummer, because I thought that was a pretty funny movie. But uh, anyway, we're here to talk about Wish. Uh, we might talk about some of our favorite Disney movies at the end of this, if we if we have time. Um, and I guess we just jump right into it. Yeah. I will go ahead and say that this is probably one of my least favorite Disney movies that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a huge bummer um, because I walked out of the theater viscerally angry yeah. at this movie. And it, it's truly because I'm such a huge fan of Disney movies and um, I don't know how much longer I can handle being let down. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and what was interesting too, cause I was listening to, our, our Napoleon recording, mm-hmm. and we both went into Napoleon with very high expectations. Yeah. And I came out of Napoleon a little bit disappointed. I liked Napoleon, but it just didn't quite meet my expectations. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about it in last week's podcast, I was noting how we both had very low expectations for Wish, and that maybe we would go in with those low expectations and come out and be like, oh, it was fine. But even with the low expectations that we both had... It was somehow worse. It was. It somehow still didn't even meet those low expectations. It was somehow worse. Yeah. No, under the ground were my expectations. I think it has to reach up and to it, rub the bottom of a snake, yes. Yeah. Because I, um, <laughs> I was thinking the ad campaign was very ambiguous, right? Was it yeah, ambiguous well, the right word? It was, very, it was, just, it was very strange because it didn't really give you a lot of... Uh, insight to what the movie was going to be right. about. And the last time they did that was Strange World. Which was their last which movie. Was not all, which was also not yeah. very good. Yeah. And so I was a little bit concerned that this one was going to probably be similar to Strange World in terms of like how much I liked it. And I don't know that it even made that No, because standard. I... I feel like with Strange World, I didn't love it. I thought it was a great concept. I just didn't feel like it was executed as well as it maybe should have been. But it looked great. It was fun. And it's just the plot felt a little weak. Um, But I think it has the rewatch factor that this one, I don't know if I could ever revisit this movie. And maybe I will. But I think think Strange World is in maybe... five ten years gonna kind of go through um a bit of a resurgence when the kids who were the right age for it um kind of get a little older kind of like what's happening right now with atlantis and treasure planet they've kind of they're finding these new um like they're just they're rising in popularity again there's merch at the parks now they're like getting talked about on social media um in a way that they weren't before because there's like a nostalgia factor and people are realizing they were actually really good movies. And I'm wondering if strange world is going to have maybe a similar trajectory as those movies. uh, Yeah. I mean, time will tell. Uh, It's, I I wouldn't necessarily begin to want to predict that. No, no, no. Um, It was just a thought. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's entirely, it's entirely possible because there was at least like, 
like that movie as, as thin as it was it still made sense yeah right it made sense as a story you knew what the main character was after um it you know it hit all of the hero's journey beats and all of that and i, I never I, I mean just because i wasn't i was just I was a little let down by it I was never going, huh? Yeah, no. And in in Wish, I mean, it just it, it just flat out didn't make sense. Yeah, the I, whole concept it, fell apart almost from the jump. Yeah, it it felt to me like they knew they had to make a movie for the hundredth anniversary, and they got in their own way, and like. Even the stuff that was in there that were like Easter eggs for other Disney movies, it didn't even feel exciting because it was like, it just, it felt, it felt hollow. It it just, it did feel really hollow. And so let's, so let's sort of start from the beginning. You you know, you you, you sort of, you know, it it was called Wish, Mm -hmm. right? And I mean, how many classic Disney movies are based on a wish, right? right? When you wish upon a star from Pinocchio might be the most popular Disney song of all time, uh, or certainly one of the most iconic. Um, you know, the I want song is a trope that spanned decades at Disney, um, where the where you get what the main character's wish is, whether it's Cinderella wishing for her prince or Belle wishing for her prince or uh, Aladdin wishing... Um, you know that he could no longer be a street rat. Whatever, whatever the the I want song was, there was always like a, a, a some sort of like wish that seemed beyond what the character could get. Right. So when you see Disney releasing a movie where they just cut to the chase and called it Wish, you're like, all right, well, it just seems very Disney. I mean, you know, this is the this is what they do. This is in their wheelhouse. <sighs> <laughs> I, I mean, look, there's just certain tenets of storytelling that you have to hit, and they just miss them, yeah. right? I mean, first of all, you have no idea what the villain's motivation is, no. right? So the villain was named Magnifico. King Magnifico. King Magnifico, and he was voiced by Chris Pine. And Chris Pine did a fine job mm-hmm. with what he was given, right? He was given a very stereotypical villain who had just on-the-nose stereotypical dialogue. Like, he should literally should have been twisting his mustache yeah. during some of these lines. But you never know, like, you, you never know why he's holding on to everybody's wishes, and then you never know why... It's important for the people to forget what they were. Right. Right? They never like there's literally no point. Exactly. And and then you so you don't know like what he's getting out of it. And so when the main character, uh, Asha, who's voiced by Ariana DeBose, when she's like, Well, I want my grandfather's wish back because he's gonna turn a hundred and I want him to remember what it was and he and then he starts taking the wishes to get his own power, and then the little wish shows up. I mean, like it just yeah. It, I just was lost right from the beginning. Yeah, it it there was no. It, it felt like too many cooks, probably. I I think it fe- yes, it, it without felt, a doubt. It felt like there were a lot of ideas and nothing was cohesive. In this, in the narrative, this really felt like it felt a movie like, by committee, and it real and and it also felt like they knew they had to pump something out. So, like, let's just slap this together. Kids will like it and call it I, good. I guess, yeah. Th- I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. There was yes, there was, and look, this just happened when I was there. This happens all the time, especially in a in a in a place like that where. Uh, you know, you have your director and you have your writer and you have all of the animators, but really the people who are in charge are the executives. And I don't know if you happen to see, uh, um, what's his name, uh, the head of Disney now, um, 
Bob Iger. Bob Iger. If he he had a quote in Variety where they were talking about the Marvels. Yeah. And uh, his quote was that there wasn't enough supervision on set, like there weren't enough executives on set, which is why the movie <laughs> didn't do well. Right. It's like talk about completely misreading. Just everything. Just, yeah. But again, executives aren't going to eat their own. And when I was at Disney, I was at Disney during a pretty dark time, right, where the movies weren't doing well. Um, and a lot of it was because there were too many executives in the room. And they're not going to eat their own, right? It, it takes – it almost – it takes – and what it took was it took Roy Disney leaving the company – to force Michael Eisner out, which forced the shakeup, and then they brought in Lasseter and the whole Pixar thing and all of that, right? And then that kind of launched their their next um, phase renaissance, if you will, with Tangled and Frozen and all of that afterwards. Um, but we're in—I think we're in a very similar place with Disney right now, it's where like it, for where sure. they've they've they had a really good run. And then that attracted all of these executives who wanted a piece of that pie. And and now it's going to – but the problem is Roy Disney isn't around to leave anymore. Right. Right. So where is the motivation going to come from for them to realize that there needs to be a leadership change there? I don't know. Uh, yeah, because I mean that's – my thing kind of what I said coming out of the movie too I, I think I put this in my letterboxd review is just like I want to know who at Disney thinks what they're doing is working because it's not and and it's, box office numbers are starting to show and it. it's clearly not that's it, the like, thing yeah the proof the proof is in the pudding it, as they say right so it's like what is it yeah exactly what is it going to take I I don't know at this point what yeah. it could possibly t- I mean the thing is is they've had Two in a row, and I'm trying to think before that, it, it was, I think it was Frozen was it 2. Was Frozen 2? Which did pretty well, so re- maybe they just need one more to not do well, and then maybe something will change, but I mean... But it's, but the then, problem is it's not just feature animation, it's company-wide. Oh, well, right? that's 100%. I mean, yeah, it's, the, you know, it's really the, the Marvel the movies are starting to go, are going south. People are down on, on what they've done with Star Wars. Um... You know they're they're just their their tent poles are kind of are kind of crumbling because again we talked about this they're, they're worried about the wrong things mm-hmm. and and this is how it was when I was there because they had I was there as the the wave had kind of crested I, I started there a couple like a month after Tarzan had been released less than a month after Tarzan had been released which was probably their last like hit yeah of of that age that probably started with Little Mermaid. And everything was a hit uh, until they basically until they got to Tarzan, and then after Tarzan, it kind of went south. But what they were trying to do, and this was especially true on Atlantis, because I remember, you know, Atlantis was going to be an action movie. They were going for the PG rating, which yeah. which they had never done. Everything like Tarzan was rated G, which is kind of right. Remarkable. Even though you see that dude get hanged at the end, right? I mean. But I think that was the last one where they really went for the G rating, and then ever since then. But you know, uh, Atlantis was going to be PG. It was going to be an action movie. It was going to be edgy, and they kind of balked at the end, right? They took out a lot of the stuff that was going to give it that edge and get it and get it into a new direction away from these kind of Broadway musicals that they had been doing. And they, they panicked at the very end. And at that point, I realized that what Disney was trying to do in those days and what they are trying to do now is they're trying to, they're, they're trying to make movies that appeal to everyone rather than just trying to make a good movie. Yeah. Right? And, and in trying to make a movie that appeals to everyone, they are thinking about the wrong things and their effort is going in the wrong direction and they're trying to satisfy certain tropes if you will rather than just telling an awesome story and letting the rest take care of itself yeah so anyway um we're gonna take a quick break Mm -hmm. and then we will come back and we will uh continue discussing (sighs) this movie (laughs) 
And we're back uh, with the Gen X VZ movie podcast, where we are discussing the latest effort from Disney Animation, Wish. Uh, so I think we've made it fairly clear that neither one of us was a fan of this particular film. Yeah, it's probably obvious at this point. <laughs> uh, I started to talk a little bit about the story. Uh, I think the characters are probably also worth talking about. Yeah. Um, because you you know you can't you can't have a good story without great characters, and you have to have a you, you, what you have to have is a protagonist that has a clear want mm-hmm. and need. And a lot of times, it's great when those wants and those needs are in conflict with each other. But it's also great when the character has uh, an internal uh, weakness. Uh, a screenwriting instructor that I took a class with years ago called it an FLBW. It was a fear limitation blocker wound. Mm. And um, every every main character needs one of those, and you need to be able to overcome that by the end. And that's what really makes the main character interesting. Yeah. Uh, and and a- allows them to go through this character arc. And I don't know what Asha's FLBW was. Well, I, I think the thing, again, it just... They didn't put any effort into it. You know, yeah. I mean, she talks about, you know, her father died, right? So potentially that's a wound. But other than her mentioning it and but seeing like flashbacks, you never feel that. It's right. never, there's never any emotional um, tie to that that like makes that makes, like, you know what I mean? Well, makes that so matter. He, right. So here's the thing. So a, a story is structured in three acts, right? And the structure is based on where on a character's progress towards mm-hmm. getting their goal. And, you you know, act one ends when the character has realized what their goal is and sets off on the adventure to accomplish that goal. Right. Act two ends when it looks like the character has failed and the character loses, the, you know, it's their all is lost moment. Uh, looks like the character won't accomplish what they need. And, and the best movies that happens because the character hasn't been able to overcome whatever flaw that they have. And then they have to spend the third act addressing that internal flaw that they have. And then once they're able to overcome that, then they then they get what they accomplished or they don't and they don't. Right. So that was something that I felt was really missing from this movie where you, you kind of had this all is lost moment when she sneaks into the castle – and then he gets the star. Mm-hmm. That... Yeah, he he captures the star, which is supposed to like make his power stronger. Right, but so I I and she, I, you know she went in there again because she she felt so obsessed with getting her father's wish back, so he could remember her grandfather's wish back, so he could remember it. But I don't know, like I don't again I don't know what. Her imperfection was. She, there wasn't one. Right, there wasn't, there wasn't one. one. And, she and, was a flat, a flat character. Yeah, and it, it's fun. it made me think about Tangled. Like this conversation is making me think about Tangled and how perfect of an example of that that movie is because you know she's getting over fear. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? She's got this like thing holding her back that's preventing her from going outside from going after what she wants the fear of her mother is what holds her back yeah and this well one, her mother has instilled a fear of the outside world in her right right that she has to overcome uh in order yeah exactly right, right in moana i think there's a little maybe a little less of that but she has these like insurmountable obstacles that she has to overcome that you know there's more of a, a conflict there um yes and in this one it just i mean she had no flaws she really wasn't that afraid she was just a little silly goofy she was a little quirky and that was it and it felt it was like it's just so not interesting there was just nowhere for her to go there was nowhere for her to go literally the only conflict was the villain yeah and and, and it it just it felt so contrived it was yeah it really just it felt contrived because you didn't know what his, what his deal was, right? Like we we get this narration at the beginning, right? Right, 
Well, and, and that and was the, the other thing, because they kind of, it looks like they started to explain why he was the way he was. You know, he came from a village that was burned and he never wanted that to happen to anybody else. So he created this utopia in uh, where Rosas yeah. is the country they're in. Um, but also, like, what does that have to do with wishes? Like, with, it, it, with, yes, and what does that do with like, anything? It, like, it doesn't, <laughs> like, that origin story does not track to where we are now. Does that make no, sense? Yes, and that's what made it feel contrived, right? Because it it th- there was no organic uh, flow, mm-hmm. right? Nothing, nothing built on anything. Again, this it was like we were talking about with Napoleon. It's this way because we said so. Yeah. Right, and that's really what they were saying in the story. We're, it's this way. We're not going to show you how we got here. We're not going to. We, we, there are gaping holes in this story that we're not going to fill. It is it is what it is because we say so. And you know what? As long as the kids sing the music and the parents take the kids to see the movie and they sell toys at the parks and whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, and then that's that's the next point that we got to get to, right? Yeah. Because the music was... I'm so angry. I'm so <laughs> angry at the music. I'm still angry about it. And, like, it was so obvious what the problem was from the beginning, like, it... it and and th- the reasons behind why they would have hired this person to do the music, whose name I'm going to look up right now because I don't remember it off the top of my head. But um, Julia Michaels and Benjamin Wright. Thank, thank you. you. So Julia thank Michaels. You, Julia Michaels is a a pop writer. Like she writes for Selena Gomez and like all of these pop stars, right? And the music was very poppy, right? And and you know the thing about it is you know. In recent years, they've been going to Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's this really popular musician now who writes extremely popular Broadway musicals. And But the thing about Lin-Manuel Miranda is, yes, these songs sound more contemporary, but he comes from a musical theater background, so he understands how lyrics and music have to drive the plot forward. There was none of that in this movie because I don't think the woman who wrote the music understood how to drive a plot through music so the songs end up being incredibly wordy and the lyrics don't flow because she's just forming sentences to music and it sounds clunky and bad and it doesn't do anything to drive the song you're exactly right i couldn't have said it any better myself oh my god (laughs) i'm sweating (laughs) settle down killer i'm so pissed Yeah, um, well, and that's the thing when you think about the great Disney songs, whether it's Lin-Manuel Miranda or whether it's Howard Ashman and Alan Menken or whether it's the Sherman Brothers um, or whether it's going back as far as, you know, the 40s with Snow White and Bambi and Pinocchio and all that, right? Um, The the best Disney songs, and any musical for that matter, right? The best songs move the story forward or or do something to express what's going on with with the character or in the characters like the I, the I want song right exactly like, um and the, and and we talk, we were talking about this on the way out like the villain song oh my god it was so bad was just like i it's it was cuz you kept mentioning like be prepared right and then Poor Unfortunate um, Souls. Poor Unfortunate Souls is another great one. Um, some of the really memorable moments in Disney animation come from those villain songs. Uh, the one, for, actually, the one from um, from uh, Rapunzel or uh, Tangled was really terrific. Oh yeah, right? Yeah, Mother knows best. Mother knows best. Um, and it it felt because I I I I I don't know if I knew it was a musical or not or if I had even thought about it or considered it, um, but they it 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 felt again it felt a lot like they were just they were sticking things in there just to stick things in there, mm-hmm. and overall it felt. I mean, I, I God, I hate to say lazy because I know how hard it is to make these movies, and I know how hard people work on them. I, I and, think the the thing about that is it's not the artists who are lazy. It's not the people who are doing the grunt work that are lazy. It's the people who are making the, decisions. The decisions were were yes, the decisions were not carefully thought out and and effectively executed, and 
Yeah, and it's a bummer because uh, you know when we stroll through the when we stayed for the credits, there were a lot of very familiar names for me, people that I knew that I worked with back in the day, and I know how talented they are, and I know how hard they work, and I know that they give their heart and soul to everything that they do. And again, I can't tell you the number of times. Like I remember when I was on Home on the Range, right? And that movie's nothing to write home about, you know. Um, but and and uh, you know, a lot of people who were on it knew that it was probably going to be the last traditional movie that they ever worked on. You know, nobody knew that Princess and the Frog would come years later or the Winnie the Pooh, but. Um, but for that moment. But for that moment, you know, and pe- and and everybody when we were working on it, everybody knew it was a piece of crap movie, <laughs> right? But they still were were they still were cognizant of what was happening on every frame of the animation that they were producing, right? If a line wasn't working, you know, we would pencil test it, and if a line if a single line didn't work, it was redrawn, yeah. it was redone, right? Um, because at the very least, these things are always going to look good. And it's it's frustrating when the stories and the people in charge in charge of making the story decisions are, are wasting the talent of the teams yeah. that they're working on. And that that I think is really where it comes where the where the most frustration comes from because these animators for Disney are some of the best animators and artists in the world and and when when their talent is wasted on a project like this it's just it's so unfortunate yep. it really is unfortunate and look every movie isn't going to be beauty and the beast or right. frozen or tangled right i mean you've you know that some movies are just are just going to miss but I, I just you really I wish it felt like they were trying, right? Like I think it, that's the thing. It, it really almost didn't feel like they were even trying in this movie, and I think that that is why we both kind of walked out of there angry, right? Like like when you when you go see your favorite sports team and they're having a bad game and they don't even it gets to a point where they they just aren't putting forth the effort and the crowd starts booing. It's because you're wasting their time, right? And we went and saw this movie. I, I I don't know. I'm ranting now. I'm just <laughs> ranting. I'm sorry. You know, it's it's just a bummer. It is a bummer. It, it's just a bummer. And I, and I think the thing is, is we're both talking about this from a place of being fans yes. and wanting them to succeed and yes. wanting these movies to be good. Um, and the reason I feel so angry is because I know what's been done in the past. I know what Disney is capable of doing and they're just not doing it. Yeah. And it's upsetting. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think you're right. The, the, yes, if anybody is listening from Disney, this is all coming from a place of love. This is all with so much <laughs> this is, love. This is, this is the tough love that we feel like you need <laughs> to move on to bigger and better things. Um, it, yeah, it, it's. I, I think that something has to be done to tighten up these stories because it, it start it all st- and Walt was the one who said it, it all starts with a story mm-hmm. right if you don't have a good story you don't have anything I don't care how great the animation looks I don't care how great the effects are I don't care how spectacular the production design is if I'm not interested in the characters and I'm not interested in the story that they're that they're experiencing then what's the point yeah <laughs> all right well speaking <laughs> speaking of how it looked um, we'll take a quick break they this is another thing that I kind of felt uh, a particular uh, a particular idea towards is that uh, Disney is often a leader in how things in in you know they're often a leader in in how movies are made and how things look and all that, but it does feel a little bit like they're chasing trends. Yep. In this one, so we'll take a quick break. And we will be back momentarily to discuss that idea. And we are back with the Generation XVZ movie podcast where we are discussing Wish, uh, the latest effort from Walt Disney. 
And uh, all right, so we went through the story, we went through the characters, and we have, I think, made it pretty clear <laughs> that neither one of us were fans. So even when a Disney movie isn't working from a story or a character per- perspective, you can fall back on it's going to be beautiful to look at, mm-hmm. right? And even if that, as I said before the break, even if that isn't enough to carry the movie all the way through, at least you have these very spectacular visuals. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, a little movie called Into the Spider-Verse came out, which was a bit of a game changer. Yeah. And uh, they... They had different media in term in, in how it looked. They there was some stuff that looked really CG. There was some stuff that looked very painterly. Some stuff that looked almost like scratching on like film, hand drawn, right? hand drawn. Uh, and and they were able to meld it all together because because the movie takes place in all of these different universes. Having these different looks uh, worked very well with it, right? And then they kind of re redid that with the sequel yeah. that came out earlier this year. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, which I think is the best animated movie of the year so far. I still need to see Trolls three, but um, yeah, I suspect we'll, we'll 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 see. I don't want to make any presumptions, but um, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, did a, I thought a really good job of using the different visual styles to kind of convey mood, yeah, and um, and convey how the characters feeling and just the ver- the differences between each character's personality, right? I th- the, but there there was a there was a motivation behind how they were using all of these different visual styles right. in the animation. So now we have Wish. Well, and then the, the, I, let me preface that by saying there was a um, a trailer for Migration, which comes out uh, right. I think comes out on Christmas Day, and that's the latest movie from Illumination. And watching that trailer, you notice it's just it's it's like like traditional CG animation right, right? there's it, it could be made by any other studio mm-hmm. at any other time in the last 10 or 15 years there's nothing in that trailer that visually makes that movie stand out right and you start to think oh okay yeah th- like these kinds of movies aren't going to work anymore unless unless the story is like a supreme awesome yeah we're moving on we're moving on from that visual style and you're going to have to up your game, right? And mm-hmm. Illumination, oddly, it se- seems like they haven't quite caught up to that idea yet. Right. Um, so then we then this movie came on. <clears throat> and th- there was a lot of interesting uh, visual, des- uh, you know, art design uh, or uh, production design and art direction going on with it. But it was inconsistent, right? So, yeah. like, they were making they were making some characters look two D, very painterly, and some characters looked more like the traditional CG characters. Um, they was like the like uh, Magnifico. I think sometimes looked very CG, and other times looked more more painterly and two D. Yeah. Um, the same with the her the grandfather character, and. I don't know what was motivating those changes. It just it just felt like they were almost like, oh shoot, you know, we gotta yeah, we gotta we gotta make this visual style more interesting because Sony did it with Spider Man and Paramount did it with uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles, and we've got to kind of keep up with that trend. But I I don't know what what the motivation was behind some of the changes that they were making when they were making them. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean. It was interesting because I loved the backgrounds. I thought the the mm-hmm. the, the landscapes and the backgrounds looked um, fantastic. Yes, I, I thought they were beautiful. Loved the art direction, and, and I, I thought really, the lighting was really good. The lighting was great, and I and I think Star 
was anytime star moved it was really interesting and i i liked the way star looked i think um, we said he was this movie's morph 100 right? because like the organic the the animation was very organic mm-hmm. even though he was not an organic character but it just it felt very his animation it just it felt very smooth it felt very tight yeah um it felt almost traditional mm-hmm. in a way, and that was exciting for yeah. me to like just to watch. Like I enjoyed any time. Yeah, that, was, that was animation was beautiful. Yep. Um, just quick side note. Um, I saw some concept art recently. Um, from like early, early drafts of the movie, and originally Star was supposed to present as like a teenage boy. Ah. And okay. so there was going to be like a love story between Asha and oh. the Star. Okay. Which I was like. Anyway, just quick side. Just it was like I thought that was interesting that they got rid of that. But and and also, what they changed Star into, you know, that was the marketing department. Like we need to sell toys. Yeah, we need to sell little star pillows. But and he little was star very cute, and, and the animation looked really good. So yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, I thought Asha. There were moments where she moved that it just didn't quite look right. The way her dress was animated, like it almost didn't even look fully rendered. Like it was just there were. Yeah, like you said, it was inconsistent. There were yeah. some moments that were beautiful that I loved looking at. And like the the sequence where um, they're singing through the wishes and the wishes are coming down and they're kind of moving around. And like that, I, I loved. I thought that looked great. That was probably the most interesting song of any of them anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, just kind of all around it. Just yeah, it, like it, it's yeah, it's like they're trying to catch up. It, it was it. Yeah, it was it felt it felt. It felt like we're chasing trends, and um, I think that's what people are going to have to be careful of, right? Like you can't, you can't just slap an interesting look on something for the sake of doing it without there being some motivating factor behind it. Yeah, and I, I feel like this might have been a missed opportunity to kind of again. This is the hundredth year. Like all of the the marketing for this movie was. A hundred years have led to this, which after seeing the movie was so freaking depressing. Um, it's like, are you joking? Um, but they, they missed, you're showing your age, they, Disney. Seriously, they missed a real opportunity to, and I, I can't decide which I would have liked to see more. Either going back to a hand drawn look, whether or not it's hand drawn, but like looking like it's hand drawn, more classic, more like you know, paying homage to the movies that it's standing on the shoulders of, um, or on the flip side of that, potentially doing something really, really dynamic and interesting. Um, not for the sake of trends, but just for the sake of look at how far we've come. Well, and I think that that's, again, one of the frustrating things about it, right? Is that Disney, Walt Disney himself was always about innovation. Yeah. Yeah. And moving on to the next thing. You can't top pigs with pigs, is what he would say when they wanted him to do a sequel to The Three Little Pigs, right? Oh, my gosh. And um, so, you know, he was always thinking about what's next. And when he died, that was the, you know, not the first time the company was in trouble. The company was in trouble many times. But that was when the company really faced an identity crisis. Right. Right, like... They, somebody said one time it was, you know, board board decision by seance, right? Like what would Walt, Jeez, yeah, what would right, Walt do? Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that didn't work. And then, so, so I think we're kind of at that point now, and it's just unfortunate that it came during their hundred year anniversary because you want Disney to be forward looking. You want them to be forward thinking. And, you want them to, yeah, to kind of take those chances, and I, and that's a, an area now where Disney has become. Disney's often a victim of their own success and a victim of their own uh, past in a way, where sometimes you feel like you have to replicate what you've already done in order to continue to be successful, and. You know, I, th- I think if Walt was alive to see what's happening now, he, he I don't think he'd be in favor of it personally. Right. And I think that also kind of brings up an interesting point. I mean, I and I should have looked up her actual title, but 
Jennifer Lee is now like a creative head of Disney. I don't know if she's like head of animation, but she's like some like creative driving force at mm-hmm. Disney. Mm-hmm. And Chris Buck is now higher up in that same kind of division. And they both directed Frozen, which was this just, you know, megalodon of a movie. And um, I think also of that era is probably the weakest movie. You know, it came after Tangled and it came before Moana, both of which I think are better than Frozen. But they had this just stroke of luck with the song Let It Go and it just kind of rode that wave. But they what they did was they had this huge hit and so they put those two people in charge of everything, it, yeah. it seems like. And this is what happened, you know? Yeah, and, I, you know, I hate to disparage anybody but i mean look you got to go by the track record right and i think if you're if you were to look honestly at frozen and i remember saying this when it came out was i always liked tangle better mm-hmm. and i felt like frozen kind of rode the wave that tangled created for it right um much like you know a movie like like uh like pocahontas for example was I think the higher well no Lion King was the highest grossing mm-hmm. movie, um, but if you know if you if you ask most people they would say well yeah I mean Lion King was great but I think Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin were better right and it was kind of it was it it that was the peak of of that and it and it rode those movies mm-hmm. success and I think that that Frozen in much the same way rode the success of Tangled because Tangled was really the first, you know, as Disney's transition to CG was very clumsy. Yeah. Right. Chicken Little, a movie that I worked on was the first one that they, that they did as CG. And it was, it was not an easy transition. It was a very, very difficult transition. And then after that, it was Meet the Robinsons, which, didn't even make the the freaking cut on the on the end credits, Which right? Is so crazy. Um, and then Bolt was Bolt was an, an interesting movie because it was going to be directed by Chris Sanders. Oh, and it was called American Dog. And oh, then yeah. he wasn't he wasn't following the studio's notes, and they fired him. And and then it became this other movie called Bolt. Um, and then Tangled was in development for a long time and I was there and I was, and I was hoping to get on that movie and I never did, but, um, but they were still trying to find what the story was going to be and it, it took a long time, but when they finally did, like it worked and they went back to that traditional fairy tale that they had, that they had gotten away from. For a really long, like they hadn't done a traditional fairy tale. Well, they did Princess and the Frog. Was that before Tangled? Yeah, that was the year before Tangled, maybe two years. Yeah, but even that, I mean, it's kind. Of, I guess well, was that was Ron spin, and John. It was a spin yeah, on a yeah fairy tale. But so 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 they so those two together kind of yeah. brought them back to that. But like they had not done a traditional fairy no. tale probably since Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and that whole era, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't think I'm missing anything, right? No, because after that it was Lion King and Hercules, Hercules and Hunchback and of Notre Dame, Tarzan and, Tarzan and Mulan. Yeah. So I mean, you might be able to make a case that Mulan was, but not really. I mean, it was. Well, anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, the the point is they 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 kind of got back to what they do well and did well. Yeah. Right. And and they made the case. A while they said a while ago that they weren't going to do princess movies anymore, and and again they've gotten away from their wheelhouse. Yeah, right. And it just if they they feel very much like a studio that's lost their way. Mm-hmm. I think that yep. and they, and, and I'm not one. sure I'm not sure how they're going to get back to it. <sighs> All right. So listen, we know that this has been a pretty negative 45 minutes. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to regather our thoughts. And we're going to talk about the Disney movies that we, that we actually like. We'll each give our kind of top five Disney movies and kind of hope that, that the studio can work their way back to produce and stuff like that. We'll be right back. 
And we are back with the Gen X VZ movie podcast. Uh, quick pro or quick uh, note from producer Luke. Uh, Jennifer Lee is the chief creative officer currently mm-hmm. at Disney Feature Animation. We couldn't remember what her title was. She did also direct Frozen and Frozen 2 and was able to parlay the success of those movies to be uh, the chief creative officer of the entire division. So mm-hmm. good for her. Good for her. Um, let's just hope that she grows into the role. There you go. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about what this movie did wrong <laughs> and what some other movies have done wrong lately uh so let's bring it home on a happy note (laughs) and talk about what our favorite disney movies were um we were talking about maybe doing a top five Mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean if, if i had to do a top five in some order yeah it would probably be beauty and the beast fantasia uh, Little Mermaid, Peter Pan, and maybe Cinderella or Tangled somewhere in there. Our top five is going to be so similar. Oh, really? That's crazy. Okay. Because I, yeah, I was going to say Beauty and the Beast, and then this is in no particular order. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, Tangled, Peter Pan, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And then, wait, what did I say? Beauty and the Beast, Tangled, Sleeping Beauty, Peter Pan. Ah, this is so hard. Little Mermaid. Probably Little Mermaid, but like it's like between Little Mermaid and like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and I could also give like a crazy shout out. Like an honorable mention for me would be 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah. Like that movie is so good. Mm-hmm. 101 Dalmatians is mm-hmm. so good. And, they, and that was another one where they had to basically invent a new way to animate. That was when they invented, that was when they started doing stuff on Xerox. Yeah. Because they wouldn't be able to draw all those spots. Right. And so they had to, they actually, so that was when the paint, the ink and paint department got changed into like the Xeroxing department. And they, you know, they, cause they, cause if you notice, uh, the, the animation style in the sixties got, got very rough. Yes. Right? And like, I love it. Right. And because they did, they weren't inking them. Yeah. They were running them through the, they were running the rough animation through the Xerox. And it, it, I don't know why it just scratches my brain in such a particular way when I watch, especially 101 Dalmatians and I think the Aristocats yeah. that those two feel just, yeah, like so raw and rough. Yeah. And I, I just, well, the Aristocats did not age well. No, 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 I'm not saying, <laughs> yeah. no, content-wise, yeah. definitely not, yeah. but, yeah. like, just But I think 101 visually. Dalmatians, I love I love the whole, like, the whole notion of the Twilight Bark. Oh, my God, and, it's so creative and the And, and the, 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 the rescue mission and just how, how, like, a lot of these dogs came to the aids, aid of each other. Um, yeah, that one, I got to figure out a way to get that one into my top five. I just don't know what comes out, right? Because Beauty and the Beast. I mean, that one's, like, a given. Yeah, I mean that was really the movie that made me want to be involved in this industry. Yeah, right. And I was in college when it came out, and I'd already. I was always a fan of Disney. I was more a fan of the shorts than the features. Mm-hmm. But you know, we grew up. We grew up going to Disney World every year, and and um, I always just loved the idea of Disney, right? And. I remember seeing The Little Mermaid and just kind of being stunned, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I was 20, 20? I mean, it came out... It was 89. It, it was 89 when it came out, but I didn't see it until it came out on, like, VHS. So oh. when, I, when I was... I was probably... It was probably, like, 90, 90 or 91 when I saw it. So I was 19 or 20. And, you know, a 19, 20-year-old guy in those days, in the early 90s, was probably not your typical Disney fan. Right. Right? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I put it on, I had heard all this stuff about it, and to be honest with you, there was a girl that I liked who was a huge fan of it, and I was like, well, I better know this movie. That's so funny. And uh, so I watched it, and I was like, this is a really freaking good movie. <laughs> yeah. Right? And um, so... I started taking animation classes, and then we got a free screening. We got to go to a free screening of Beauty and the Beast, 
And a friend of mine came with me, and he's like, he was a big fan of Little Mermaid as well. And he was like, oh, this isn't going to be as good as Little Mermaid. I was like, well, we'll see. And yeah. we both walked out. And I was like, that was way better. That, that, yeah. that was incredible, yeah. right? And it got nominated for Best Picture, which had never happened before. An mm-hmm. animated feature had never been nominated for Best Picture. Um, I still contend that it should have won. Silence yeah. of the Lambs won that year. Um, but I would have voted for Beauty and the Beast. Um and then, you know, then you take a movie like Fantasia that a lot of people, like, that's 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 the snob in me is the right. one that really likes Fantasia, right? right? Because there's no story to it. It's just, it's a bunch of, inter, it's a bunch of vignettes, vignettes almost. And, and um, but it's so, it's it's a work of art. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what, that that's, it's not a movie so much as it's a work of art. It's like going to a museum. 100%. Right? And, and just... Letting the experience kind of wash over you, um, and it's such a good combination of music and animation, and yes. just how like it's just like the 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 perfect example of how those two things just are so intertwined. Yes, without a doubt, and that and and that's I think the the key right is that is animation is at its best when it has music telling the story along with it yeah. right um so yeah i mean that's you know that's kind of and then tangled i really i find a place for tangled because again as i said before tangled was the one to me that allowed disney to find its way again in this new cg world yeah you know and i understand princess and the frog uh was before it and they were hearkening back to the 2D animation days, and it was Ron and John, and I I worked with Ron and John on Treasure Planet. I love both of those guys. Um, But I think Tangle, Princess and the Frog probably set Tangled up to be what it was. You know, I think it set the tone for the audience, and it it, it enabled Tangled to be successful. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great, that's a good point. It probably couldn't have been as successful as it was without it. But I, the thing that I loved about Tangled was that it was a hero's journey, mm-hmm. right? And it's a road movie. And yeah. I'm not, te- I tend to dislike road movies. Right. Because um, I just, I feel like a lot of times they're very episodic, but this one wasn't, right? I mean, the, like everything that happened led into the next thing. Yeah. It's and interesting. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like a road movie. It doesn't feel like, but it absolutely it, it is. It technically is, right? yeah. <clears throat> and, um, but the main thing about that one, too, is that it's like, you've got these characters, again, you've got the, you know, she wants to see the, the light, where the lights are coming from, yeah. right? And he wants to get the crown back. And in order to do that, he has to give her what, what she wants. So you've got these two things that are kind of in conflict, and they very organically fall in love with each other as, oh, the yeah. movie, as the movie goes along. And her her flaw is what, and, and his both of their flaws end up leading to the all is lost moment at right. the end. And then they both have to overcome them. It's just a, it's such a well put together movie. And it looks, to me, the animation holds up, even though it's. I think so too. It's what, 15 years old now or yeah. something like that? Um, it holds up. The even like the the horse and the lizard, right? <laughs> there and and the and the ruffians, right? I mean, all these characters just leap off the screen, and you know them, you like them, you care about them, and and, and like when they bring the ruffians back at the end that help save him, yeah. It's it's it it kind of helps it it it. it it connects everything, right? So the bar, that's what makes it non-episodic, right? Yeah, so they stop so at the true. bar and these characters end up coming back and helping them at the end, right? And you have these guys who are constantly chasing them who, who keep turning up. Yeah, so like, there's through lines there's, there. There are through lines yeah. in the movie that, that keep it from being just like... They go here and then they go there and then they go there. Right, and then you could... Like, that's the thing that I always didn't like about Finding Nemo, right? Yeah, like, a lot of people love Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. To, to me, you could change the order of all of those scenes in Finding Nemo and it wouldn't change the story at all. I know. <laughs> but I like it. It's, you know, that's fine. 
I, you know what I love about Finding Nemo is actually I love the the B story of Nemo and the dentist I office. I know it's so that good. story is and so it much really fun. Good. Talk about yeah. animation that still holds up twenty years later. It yeah. still looks really good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry tangent. All right. Anyway, so yeah. that you know that so that to me is when Disney is at its best. And 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 look, when Disney is at its best, there are very few who do it better. I know. Right? And, and and especially in animation. I mean, nobody does it better than Disney when Disney is at its best. And the studio overall has just made some truly wonderful movies. Whether even if it's like the live action family stuff like that I grew up with, like the Apple Dumpling Gang and Peach Dragon and Mary Poppins. Um, Mary Poppins, right? Um, or the, you know, when they start, when they got like, when they bought Miramax and when they bought Touchstone and, you know, they, they, they really produced in the nineties and the early two thousands, just some really wonderful films. And again, in those days, what they wanted to do was just make good films and they let the rest of it take care of itself. They've yeah. got they're they're just right now Disney is worried about the wrong things, and they've got to got to get your priorities straight, Disney. I know, I know, and it, it, listen, it, it, I I think the thing about Disney is kind of how we've what we've talked about is they go through these peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. right? And it it I think it's just we're in a valley right yeah. now, and. Who knows? Maybe there won't be another peak, but there could be. Trends have shown that you know they have their ups and they have their downs, and they. It I tends guess you're to be right. Yeah, consistent. they they go. They, I think yeah. the last peak was a little shorter than the rest of them, but they. Yeah, it happens. Maybe. You know. Yeah, I think so. Because you think about, you think about, the stretches, right? So like it started with Snow White in 1937, and that really. You know, World War II kind of messed them up, but probably, you know, you, you had Snow White, Pinocchio, Bambi, Dumbo. Cinderella. Well, those, oh, no, that, that was, was 50, later, yeah. right? And then and then the war came around and then that kind of messed them up for a little bit. And then, and then you had Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella and Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp. Oh, yeah. That's and uh, and uh, Sleeping Beauty. And those were the movies of the 50s, right? Great run. And then the 60s started off pretty strong with like um, 101 Dalmatians, Jungle Book. And then and then it did start to peter off for me anyway because you had Sword in the Stone, mm-hmm. which I'm not a big fan of. Robin Hood, which might be my least favorite Disney it's movie. Blasphemy. I know. I really don't I like Robin Hood. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they had this kind of dark time in the 70s, right, where – like nothing was going on. Yeah. They, the Rescuers is a fine movie, but another one of my faves. It's just, you know, it, it yeah, but then they started to make the comeback. It well, and then they really hit rock bottom with um uh, Was that all? No, not uh Not Oliver. No, it was um Oh, Black, Black Cauldron. Cauldron. Black Cauldron. But then they came back, right? Then it was Oliver and Company. Also and not in the credits. Oliver and Company wasn't in the credits? No, Black Cauldron. Oh, Black Cauldron was like, well, that one makes, yeah, I can understand why that one wasn't. That one almost broke the studio permanently. Um, but then you had Oliver and Company. Mm-hmm. And Great Mouse Detective. Great Mouse Detective. And then you had Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. Rescuers Down Under, Lion King, right? And then, yeah, that that peak lasted a long time. Yeah. That lasted a because good 10 then, to 15 years probably. Because it right? ended in 1999 with, with Tarzan. Tarzan. Yeah. So that one lasted about a um, little more than 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe they'll come back. Yeah, we'll, but honestly, I don't think it'll. I don't think there'll be a change until Bob Iger is out. And I was he's there at least until twenty twenty six. I think that's what the contract goes through. <sighs> it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And you know, it's so silly. I did this to myself because I, when Bob Chapek came in, or is that his name? Yeah. Um, I was like, no, we need Bob Iger back. And then he came in and disappointed me. Yeah, well, the sequel is really as good as the original. You're so right. <laughs> All right. Well, that takes care of Wish. I yeah, I, I wish we had liked it better. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, so what's next, do we think? We've got uh, Wonka. Oh. We've got... Um, Maestro, although that oh, doesn't Maestro. come out for... Oh, you, one you should watch, and maybe we can do an episode on this, because I just watched it yesterday, May, December. 
Oh, yes, that's on Netflix, right? Oh my god, we'll talk we should talk about that one because okay. it, it's oh my god. Okay, I'll oh watch that god. one. I'll watch that one and we'll do that one next. Yeah. I'll watch it uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, okay. great. All right, well thanks very much for tuning in and we will be back with another exciting episode of Gen X VZ a movie podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>